Praise God, man. Aren't you glad God's a good God? Aren't you glad you're not here tonight having to just beg for mercy and forgiveness and God's out here just throwing it on you? Woo. Praise God. Man. Y'all sure look happy tonight for a Wednesday hump day. Praise God. Well, I want to share a word with you tonight. So, so get your Bibles out and go to Psalms 18. And just turn there to Psalms 18 there for a minute. Y'all have to bear with me a little bit tonight. And if you, some reason, I don't know why, but if you don't plug an iPad in, it doesn't stay charged. <laughs> so I've got to preach some good old-fashioned Bible tonight, praise God. Yeah, I've told y'all my secret. The only reason why I use an iPad is because I can take it and enlarge the print, and then I can see it on there, and I don't have to, you know, try to wear glasses and everything else to find the word. But I want you to look at Psalms 18, verse 46. Yeah. 1846. It says, The Lord lives. Can I have an amen? amen. Blessed be my rock, let the God of my salvation be exalted. Okay, so you got to remember, the Psalms, the Psalms are songs, right? David wrote them. They're songs. It's a long song if you get to looking at all the verses. And so David wrote Psalms 18 after he had been delivered from all of his enemies and been delivered from Saul, and he had taken over and become king. This is when he wrote Psalms 18, somewhere in that period. Well, I, it's just really interesting to me because I've been doing some studying, just reading, and, uh, and, and just my own personal time. And, and I've, I, I, the way I read my Bible, I've taught you how to read the Bible, but, you know, I, I may read a little different than y'all, but, you know, I, I read chapter by chapter. I read, I don't read from like just the front all the way through. I'm reading so much in, in the, the first five books of the Bible, right? <laughs> then I'm reading, I'm reading my Psalms, I'm reading my proverb, and then I'm reading uh, in the major prophets, and then I'm reading in the minor prophets, and then I'm reading in the gospels, and I'm reading in the epistles, and that's just the way it works for me. And so I get a little fresh dose of everything. Well, it's a very strange time because I hit in just my, I mean, could not have ordered this except God. I hit in my reading where I was finishing up Second Chronicles at the same time I'm reading Jeremiah. Well, there are two books, the two places within the chapters, you know, the, the, in the book there, they correspond with each other because it's the time when, you know, if you're reading in Second Chronicles, you find Hezekiah, the great king comes up and he's, he's, you know, standing there and the Assyrian army's coming against him. But Hezekiah was a man who turned to God. Remember, he went in the temple, rent his clothes, cried out to God. Isaiah, the prophet, comes up, speaks to him, says, man, you know, don't worry, it's going to be taken care of. And the next morning, the angel came out, remember, killed 185,000 Assyrians, and they, flee, they fled and went off. And so he's a king known for great deliverance. Amen? I mean, how would y'all like to see that? I mean, I mean, what a deliverance, too. He goes up onto the walls. He looks over the walls, and it says that there's so many people that are like ants. And you just know you're going to get, you know, the worst thing in the world. I mean, to be killed in battle is one thing, but to, for a city to come under siege, we're talking what they would do is just totally, completely circle the city so nobody went in or out, and then they would just starve the city out. So as soon as the city ran out of food, everybody started dying or eating each other or whatever. It would just be a horrible, horrible way to go. Well, anyway, God delivers Hezekiah from that. But now, years have gone by. 
You know, you go read the Bible, you look at it, you know, Hezekiah's son, his grandson, some of them, they didn't serve God. They were wicked. And even some places says they were more wicked than the kings before them. And so now Israel's in a mess. Hello? I know another country is kind of in a mess right now. Hello? Right here at home where we live, it's a mess. Every day it seems like we get more divided and more divided as a nation. We have more craziness going on, more goofy things taking place. So it kind of, you know, I kind of see a parallel in what was going on. But then here comes this prophet, great prophet, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. He comes up, man, and I know he's got to just at times got down in the corner, probably curled up in the fetal position and just said, God, why did you choose me to do this? Because his word to the city and all the people and all of Israel right then are in Jerusalem was simply this, Robert's paraphrase. You messed up, that's it, you're going to lose. And nobody wanted to hear that. They even, they even in, in, in the book of Jeremiah, some of the kings and the people around that, they quoted, oh, but do you remember Hezekiah, what God did for him? And you see, this is what I think, and I don't know any other way to say this, and I don't mean this in a bad term, it's just the only country saying I can come up with. Some people, I believe right now, are about to get called their pants down. They think they've been serving God. They think they've been walking with God. They think they know God. They really haven't served God. They've just been Christian by birth or by, you know, association. And then all of a sudden, man, when you're really in to the city about to come under siege, you better know God. Because if you don't know God, or you think you know God, or maybe you have these questions, well, I don't know, is God good or is he bad? You know, is God going to help me or is he not? Is, is it only when I die, I go to heaven and then he doesn't have anything to do with me? You have all these questions and you don't really know God. Were well, you going to be like a lot of those people in the days of Jeremiah? Because you're going to look out there and say, well, God, surely God would want us delivered. Because they don't really know what the word of the Lord is. So Jeremiah would prophesy, prophesy the word of the Lord. He prophesied the true word of God. Because, see, we can look back in history and know he was right. And everybody said, nah, get him out of here. I mean, he was thrown in the dungeon. He was just treated horribly. Just all these bad things happened to Jeremiah, right? And then there comes this time. I'm giving you all this. Y'all just have to go read it. It's Wednesday night. I don't have that much time. So you just have to go back and read all this. So then then there comes this time that uh, he tells everybody, said, look, there's only one place you're going to find peace, and that's going into captivity. And if you go into captivity, well, then you're going to seek the peace of the city and you're going to find it. And God's going to bless you. And he's going to be with you there for 70 years. And then after 70 years, you'll return. But you've got to go. And so just think about this. Daniel. Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den you hear about all the time as a kid, right? All the great things that happened to Daniel. Daniel was one of those people that left. He was a young man. He left Jerusalem at that time under the the reign of, of Nebuchadnezzar and went back to Babylon. But then we read the book of Daniel and say, oh, look at Daniel. Oh, my gosh. Look at him. He's so amazing. All the things he did. Look how God did it. The visions, all the end of the world, all these things that happened, all the things he saw. Yeah, but he was a captive. He was taken out of his home. See, people don't think about that sometimes. In order for Daniel to fulfill his ministry, he had to be ripped from his family, ripped from his surroundings, and taken over there. But God was with him and blessed him. Hello? 
And then here's Jeremiah. He's left. And so Nebuchadnezzar finds this guy and sends his, his entourage to find Jeremiah. And they say, hey, you're the guy that's been prophesying that I was going to win. And he's like, well, I'll just prophesy the word of the Lord. God's using you right now, and that's the way it is. And so he said, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, we'll go ahead and take care of you, take care of everything you want to. If you want to come to Babylon with us, you can. But if you want to stay here, you can. You can do whatever you want to, Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah finds himself there. He stays there. And then he says, the king says, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take all the poor people, all those poor people out there. We're going to take them out there. And everything's yours. Y'all tend the land. Y'all do that. Live in any house you want to. Leave them here so that the animals and the grass just didn't take over the city. And uh, everybody, everybody else is going. So now think about this. Think about this. Let's just say you're, a, you're one of the poor people. And you've been there begging on the streets of Jerusalem. You're, 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 your life is hard and harsh. And, and then the king's coming. Everybody's thinking that. And you may just be sitting there saying, ah, I just wish somebody do something. Kill me, man. Get me out of this misery I'm in. And then all of a sudden, one day, you find yourself, the whole city's yours. You go live in anybody's house you want to. All the people are gone. You could go do anything you want to. You go out there to the vineyard of the guy that used to run you off, just eat all the grapes you wanted to, do whatever you want to. Man, those would be great days, wouldn't they? If you were the poor guy. Now, I'm going to show you this. Just listen to me. Mm, this is good. So years go by, 70 years, right? And then this king rises up named Cyrus. And he said, man, I found it written over here. You know, this Jerusalem is where the real, real God came from. That's the real God, true God. Temple got tore down. We tore it down, or he didn't tear it down. Others tore it down 70 years ago. And I'm going to make a decree right now. I think we should send Jewish people back and have the temple rebuilt. So Ezra comes up. Ezra says, well, I'll go back. So Ezra starts gathering up all these people and gets all these people. And the king says, I'll pay for your trip. I'll finance the whole thing. I'll load you up with gold and silver, cattle and donkeys and whatever else you need. Go out there and go back and build that temple back to the true God of heaven. So he goes back. You know who he finds when he gets back? Those poor people aren't poor people anymore. Those poor people prospered. It was all given to them. Was laid in their hands, and they prospered. And when they prospered, then they raised their kids, and then their kids were there. And then before long, they saw kind of thought they owned everything. And then here comes one day, be bopping in, Ezra and his whole band of merry Jewish people coming back to build the temple, start doing work. Somebody said, "Hey, we don't know what we're doing. What are we doing?" I don't know it went off like this. I'm just going to say it did because I'm just preaching tonight, paint with a big brush. But then somebody said, well, wait a minute, that 214 West Hallelujah Street, <laughs> wasn't that my ancestors' house, wasn't that, isn't that where they were raised? They always talked about. And who are those people living in it? So what are the people that are living in the house? The, the former poor people do. They said, man, we got to stop this. 
We got to stop the building of the temple. We got to put an end to this. We got to make sure that nothing happens. We got to, we, we're going to lose what we have. Do you know most people get angry when they know that they're about to lose what they have? Y'all ever notice that? A lot of people won't fight if there's just an argument or something, but all of a sudden you start losing what you've got. You're ready to fight for it. Hello? Whether you're right or wrong, right? There's people that'll fight to keep their drug house going. Why do you think we have all the gang violence? That's people fighting for their, you know, their territory, their turf, but it's wrong, right? They want to keep their um, human smuggling going on. They want to keep all this. They're fighting for it. They're willing to fight for it. Do whatever they have to do, manipulate, scheme, lie, cheat, do whatever. Has anybody ever stopped to think about how happy the, uh, what do you call them? The, the underworld must be that we're trying to get rid of cops? They're like, guys, don't say anything. Just leave them alone. The idiots are going to get rid of them for us. I mean, seriously, it's pretty ridiculous. Gun, confiscate all the guns. Yes, we got storerooms back there for them. We don't, yeah, let them do it. Are y'all with me? So just because somebody's fighting for something doesn't mean that they're right. That's the point I'm trying to make. Just because somebody's standing and fighting, you may have somebody that's got some kind of, um, you know, Childhood trauma, childhood pain in their life, some kind of issue or something in their life that happened to them that they'll fight tooth and toenail. How about this? How about a person who's got the fear of heights? Just try to drag one of them up some stairs. You're going to get a fight on your hand, right? So people fight even though what they're fighting for sometimes is not right. So the people couldn't see the move of God. They couldn't see what God was saying in that day. They couldn't see it when the day Jeremiah was saying it, nor could they see it, see it in the day when Ezra came back and the people should have said, ah, it's going to be returned to the great land. Everything's going to be great. We're going to, you're going to, y'all are here to help build a temple. Great. But they didn't. They fought them tooth and toenail. Sent a letter back saying these guys are bad guys. You don't want to do that. Okay. So what I'm saying to you tonight in all of that is that you find yourself in this day and time, a lot of different people saying a lot of different things. And the only thing I can encourage you about, everybody out there listening and watching, everybody in here, is you better hear God. You better not be following a man. You better be following the spirit of the living God. You better hear from God. You better know that you hear from God. And you better move in your whole life because God said, David says here, back to Psalms 18. In Psalms 18, he says, the Lord lives. When I read that and it hit me, I said, you know, the Lord lives. Is that y'all's, is that what you'd say? You would say, the Lord lives. He lives in my life. He's alive. Or would you say, because there's a lot of people that say, no, God's dead. Or is he just a God in your life who's, you know, either just busy or not taking much interest in you? Maybe he's just not meeting your needs in life. Where is he? David said, 
He's the God who lives. Now, did David have it easy? Was David's whole life just easy and he just walked in ease? He went and killed that mean old giant Goliath and then he just became a hero and everything was glorious. No, he was chased. He was run off. He was from his family. He lived in a cave. He was surrounded by 300 crazy people. Because all the people that were in the cave of Adullam were, were just misfits. Golly knows what they really were or what they had done or why they were out there in the cave to begin with because they couldn't get, stay in the city. And that's who David was surrounded with, his army of misfits. He went through all of this. So when Psalms 18, he writes it when he's the king and everything's delivered, he's declaring what really truly is in his heart. And I'm asking you tonight, what's really truly in your heart? Can you say God lives? Can you say God lives in me? Can you say God is alive and well and moving? And somebody looks at you and says, what are you talking about? These are the worst days. These are hard days. Everything's going crazy. Lumber is crazy. Steel is crazy. Food is going up. How can you say this is crazy? We've got crazy people in office. We've got crazy people everywhere. Can you sit there and say, I don't know, but God lives. Are you going to be like David and be able to write a psalm and say, no, 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 my God lives. Hello? Come on. Now, let me just take this a little further. All right? Now, let's go to verse 1. Let me tell you why David would say that. He says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. So is God your strength? Do you get strength every day from the Lord? Do you get strength when you come in here and worship on a Wednesday night and you're leaving and you're going home and, there's, and you feel strength in your body, down in your soul, down in your spirit because you've been in his presence? How many of y'all, listen, this, this may be another bad example, but I mean, just give it to me. It's a Wednesday night. Um, <clears throat> have you ever been into a restaurant that when you left the restaurant, you smell like the restaurant? Whatever it be, whatever kind of restaurant you be, when you walk out, you're like, oh my gosh, you smell your clothes and you smell just like the restaurant. Hello, everybody's experienced that? Should we not walk out of church? This has become my prayer. This hit me the other day and I just started praying this. I said, Lord, let everybody that comes to church walk out of here smelling like Jesus. Let the anointing come upon them. I just started to be my prayer every morning, every Sunday and every Wednesday. I'm praying, Lord, let the people walk out, not with the stink of the food they ate, but the, with the sweet smell of Jesus on them. Let them walk out just like that, Lord. Just, I can smell it. Get around people. Have you ever, okay, so let's be a little more personal. Let me dig a little deeper. Have you ever been with somebody, met somebody, and when they showed up and got in your car, you, you thought... I know where they've been. I know where they ate lunch. Can I have at least a little amen yet? Right? Has that not happened? I mean, don't be so righteous that you're like, no, I would never offend my brother like that. Uh, I have a holy nose. I'm in the script. No, I mean, you've been with somebody before, and they get in the car, and they sit down, and you're up in close quarters with them. You say, well, that guy just got through eating a hamburger and french fries. Right? Oh, my goodness, think about that. What is it like to sit down in the car and, that, and, and they smell Jesus? You sit down in the car with them and then that fragrance of Christ that comes off of you, it's on them because you know the Lord lives. 
You see, folks, it's a battle going on right now. The enemy wants to take you and he wants to sidetrack you. He wants to get you over here into fear. He wants to get you over here in, in conjecture and supposition on everything you're doing. You're making decisions not based upon the move of the Spirit of God. You're making decisions based upon what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're reading. It's coming into you. Well, then that's the smell you got on you. You go sit down with your friends. Everybody say, how are you doing? Oh, terrible. I mean, this is terrible. Everything's terrible. Everything's just shot. Man, ain't nothing going to work. Everything's just going down. We're going down. Ship's sinking. Oh, God. Nobody wants to be around somebody like that. But if you stay around somebody like that long enough and they keep talking like that, then before long, you're like, oh, yeah, we're going down. We're not going to make it. You just start getting in agreement because that's all you're hearing. You're hearing, you're hearing. But if you, if you know the Lord lives, then all of a sudden you've got a whole different thing. You're walking in the spirit. You're listening to the things of God. You're hearing the things of God. The fragrance coming off of you is positive. The energy coming off of you, the smell coming off of you, it's positive. It's the anointing of God. People know where you've been. Oh, you've been worshiping. That's what you smell like. You've been worshiping. So David starts his song and says, well, he's my strength. When I was in the cave of Adullam. When I was being chased by Saul, when everybody's trying to kill me and everybody hates me, I've been wrongfully accused of this, that, and the other. He said, no, you were my strength. You were my strength. Okay? Then he says, Lord, you're my rock, my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer. Look what David's saying. Folks, listen, I can't tell you I'm not going to be the person who stands up here and says, oh, yeah, well, this guy prophesying, oh, yeah, that one's right. I know that guy will prophesy, they're prophesying, no, he's not. I'm just telling you this tonight. We all need to have a heart like David. And the only way we're going to walk through the days that we're in right now is God has to be your rock, and he has to be your fortress, and he has to be your deliverer. He has to be, look, and God, my strength in whom I will trust. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. Wow. Listen to what he's testifying there. Listen to what he's saying. When we wake up in the morning, listen to me, all of y'all, are, you're, you're in business and you have things to do and, and all this, but is, are you standing up in the morning and declaring, God, you're my strength, you're my shield, you're my fortress, you're my high tower, you're the one in whom I trust. God, no matter what happens today, this is all yours. It all belongs to you. I'm just walking and trying to administrate to the best of my ability. I'm going to hear from you today. I declare I'm going to hear the word of the Lord today. But if you wake up and you go in there and you check the markets and you check the futures and you look at all that kind of stuff, listen to me. I mean, maybe there's a place for that in the business and the job that you have. But I want to tell you something. I check my future right here every morning. I check my stock market right here every morning. I come in here and I look through and see what how my stocks are doing. Because I guarantee you every orphan you've ever invested in is putting something in heaven for you. Jesus said, man, why do you lay up treasures on earth where the moths and the rust and the thieves and the, the taxes can steal it? And the government can get it. He said, no, lay your treasures up in heaven where that's where you're going to be forever. Golly, just think about this. People work all their life not knowing God, trying to get to a place that they call retirement. They get to the place that they call retirement. They get their little nest egg there, their little 401k, their little whatever they got, think they got it made. Then they die and they go to heaven and find out they don't have anything on the other side that they're going to live it with for eternity. All I'm saying to you tonight is, listen to me, we're in a day and a time where this, this Psalms 18, 1 and 2 has to be the, the cry of your heart. 
And it has to be so rock solid in you that you cannot be moved off of it. Okay, let's look on down here a little bit more. So let's jump over to uh, 28. I love the way David says it like this. And it may just be, I'm reading a New King James translation, so I don't know. It just says, verse 28 says, for you will light my lamp. I mean, that sounds like a country song, doesn't it? You will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. So David's not saying, Lord, there's darkness. Uh, what do I do? He's looking at that and saying, Lord, you, you're going to light my lamp. And then you're going to let that light shine out of me, and it's going to go forth, and it's going to get rid of the darkness. You know, darkness can't overcome light. Hello? Pastor Charles was preaching Sunday, and, and, you know, and, and, he, and he had a lot of good points, and he was talking a little along these lines about us letting our light shine. But he said something, and I just got on me, and I just couldn't get off of it. I just sat over there and just, just, just chuckling to myself, just chewing on it, chewing on it. He said he's never seen a seminar on selfishness. Everybody pay $150, come to the seminar. The guy's going to teach you how to be selfish. Think about that. There is no seminars. There's sem seminars on self-help. There's seminars on you know, confidence. There's seminars on selling real estate. There's seminars on you know, all these different things. But there's not a seminar ever been that anybody would pay to go to be taught how to be selfish. Just naturally is. Right? David got hold of a secret here. He said, Lord, you're going to light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. You're going to light. Everybody say, God's going to light my lamp. Whew, I tell you, there's a country song in there somewhere. 29, for, for by you I can run against a troop. By my God, I can leap over a wall. I was trying to get in the back of my truck the other day, quoted that. <laughs> As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. He's a shield to all that trust in him. But if we don't trust in the Lord, then why are we? We're not any different than when we read the stories of Israel and the things when they did the times when they did not serve God. We're no different. You can't look at them and say, oh, look at those people. We're no different than getting our, ourselves backed up to the Red Sea and said, oh, we should have stayed in Egypt. Because what we're called to do as Christians is that he's the Lord who lights our lamp. He's the God who takes the darkness away. We know him in such a way that we can say, God, your way is perfect. I, I don't need to know any way but your way. Your way is perfect. And in your perfect way, you're going to lead me and guide me and direct me. In your perfect way, you're going to bring me right into the place that I need to be. I tell you all, all the time, don't do this, but I do it sometimes. So I learn, have to learn to practice more what I preach. But the other day I started reading some headlines. And I mean, I didn't get down to about six or eight, and I was infuriated, mad, raving, running through the house, telling my wife, can you believe what in the world? She said, what have you been doing? And I said, ah. I slipped. I read the headlines. <laughs> if you live in that stuff, it will eat you alive. You cannot live in this. You have to live in what the Word of God says. You have to be like David in this day and raise up and say, Lord, you're my strength, you're my shield. 
Or like Moses, a thousand will fall at my side, 10,000 in my right hand, but it's not going to come nigh me. I also thought it was funny what Pastor Charles said Sunday. He said, he said uh, that somebody asked him, what if you get COVID? He said, I'll recover. And I thought, is that not a good answer? Yes, I will recover. Goodness gracious. 31. For who is God except the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He sets me on high places and teaches my hands to make war that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So David took responsibility and said, look, I've got to start learning this. You're going to have to teach me, Lord. Each and every one of us have to be taught by the Lord how to make war. Now, listen to me. I'm not talking necessarily about war like we would think physical war, but it's war to keep your soul. It's war to keep your head on straight. It's war. Listen, this morning, this morning at my coffee table with the Lord, conjecture and supposition tried to jump on me. It's like the enemy came in there and whispered in my ear and said something. I said, you're a liar. What are you doing here? That's not the truth. Get out. That thought can't run through my head. What are you talking about? But if you're not willing to do battle, if you're not willing to take ownership and responsibility for what's going on in your life, well, then you're going to be beaten miserably by the enemy. He's going to get in your head. It's going to be like an earworm. He's going to start driving you crazy. He's going to lie to you. He's going to cheat you. He's going to steal from you because that's what he does. He is the father of lies. He lies so that he can kill, steal, and destroy in your life. And there's no profit in it. There's no profit in it. We have to be like David who will stand up and say, Lord, you're the God who teaches my hands to make war and my arms to bend a bow of of iron or bronze. Jump to 43. He says, you have delivered me from the strivings of the people. You have made me the head of a nation. A people have not known, have served me. As soon as they hear of me, they obey me. Foreigners submit to me. Foreigners fade away. Look at what he's saying here. He's declaring that God is moving outside of his own natural realms. Are you with me? He's declaring not just that God is blessing him, but he's moving in such a way outside, outside in the foreign realm that people are getting in agreement with him. You know what's going to be real funny? I'm going to laugh. When all of the people that are doing what they're doing right now who keep wanting to have a world society and be more focused in the world. And all of a sudden the world rises up and says, we want to serve God. Because folks, listen to me, do not ever let the devil tell you there is more with us than there is with them. And I'm telling you, there's more people that love God in this world than don't. They're forgetting about the, 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 the literal millions of Chinese that have underground churches. They all look like good communists on the outside, but they're not. Underneath them is quicksand of Holy Ghost, tongue-talking Chinese people that love Jesus with all of their heart. The Muslim world, the Middle East, there are people over there that love God. There was a huge movement, Holy Ghost movement in Iran right now. There's revival going on in that country. They're not going to report it. They're not going to tell you. CNN ain't going to pick it up. So oh, there's so many converts over there. No, they're not going to tell you none of that. 
But I'm telling you, there is revival in the world. Africans. All over the African nation, there's Africans that love Jesus with all their heart. There's a lot more with us than there is with them. And I just believe God's about to turn this thing. I believe he's just going to, but it needs, he needs us. He needs us to be declaring that's what kind of God he is. Hello? Then let me finish with this. The last part of this. He says, then he goes down, he says, 46, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Folks, listen to me. You have got to, in your daily walk, be exalting God. No matter what somebody says, well, I don't know about Listen, Oh, God lives. God lives and he's in charge. He's got the final say-so. He's going to have the final say-so. Whoop, throwing it off her. He's got the final say-so. That's what you call flying word. Flying word coming out of the Bible. He's got the final say-so. He's in charge. I've read the back. I've read the end. I already saw the end of the movie. He wins. Amen. And we're with him. So be encouraged tonight. All of you out there listening and watching, be encouraged. No matter what's going on, no matter what you're hearing, no matter what they're saying. Oh, there's a new strain of COVID coming. Oh, listen to me. God is in charge. Get into Psalms 18. Grab hold of verse 46. Begin to declare over your home, the Lord lives in my home. The Lord lives in my heart. The Lord lives over my business. The Lord is, ex and, and exalt him over it all. And then watch what God will do. He'll move into your life. He'll move into your family. You start to see your people, your family saved and delivered and set free. You'll start to see businesses change. You'll start to see deals happening and things going on because God lives in the midst of you. Don't, 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 don't. Listen to me. Get into fear. Do not give fear place. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, folks, a sound mind to be able to make good decisions. Amen? So be encouraged tonight. Listen to me. If you're out there listening and watching and you don't know Jesus and you just came running across this crazy preacher and you're saying, what in the world? Listen, you need to stop right there. And the very first thing you need to do is just to ask Jesus to come into your life. Just stop what you're doing and say, Jesus, I, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for me. I believe that you can come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Lord, I love you. I want heaven to be my home. I believe in you. And watch what happens. He will touch you right there. You will be born again because he sees your heart. So don't wait. Ask him into your life right now. So praise God, church. Why don't you everybody stand up? Look at the person beside you and say, yo, God lives in me. Look at somebody else and say, hey, God lives in me. Praise God. I want to pray over you. I want to bless you. I want you all to go out of here with the smell of Jesus on you. I want, and, it, and it's so strong, it'll stay on you all week, at least till you get back Sunday. Amen? So, Father, I just thank you right now. I thank you for these awesome people. I thank you for everyone out there listening and watching. I just believe, Lord, right now in Jesus' name that that fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit's upon each and every one of us. I just declare, oh, Heavenly Father, that right now that we leave this building, we leave this broadcast, Lord God, with the sweet fragrance of Christ upon us. Lord, we just declare that everybody we go by, everybody we talk to, everybody we see, that, Lord, they will be encouraged because we're gonna, you're going to light our lamps and we're going to let our light shine. And so, Lord, we praise you for it. I ask you, Lord, tonight to bless their offerings, bless their tithes, bless their giving, all those giving by, by 
uh, online giving, Lord. Bless all their businesses. Bless them, Lord God. I praise you for it, Lord, and we give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.